Welcome to Geek Nerd Tech on Black Hollywood Live. Today, Bezos dethrones Bill Gates as the richest man in the planet. Elon Musk doesn't care about people canceling orders on Teslas. And Nas has a new cartoon. Let's go. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live's Geek Nerd Tech. Welcome to Geek Nerd Tech on Black Hollywood Live, the show we break down tech news and nerd culture from a black and brown geek perspective. I am Joe Braswell, as always. Um, I am not joined by my man, my main man, Akili Shine. He is away on assignment, and usually we we have a co-host or or a guest host or something like that. But today it's just me. I just decided to roll solo. No, we actually we couldn't really book anybody last minute like that. So I, I'm rolling. I'm just kidding. I'm rolling solo. So you got me. Um, I've got lots to talk about. I've got. I want to. I want to talk about some some pop culture things that that I'm, that I'm really excited about. And we have some tech news and some other things. But uh, I did get the opportunity to go see uh, Dunkirk, and I saw it t- in the technically right way. I saw it um, at the retrofitted. Uh, man's Chinese, or that's sort of the TCL Chinese theater, which is already a, a beautiful digital IMAX theater, which Christopher Nolan came in apparently and uh, did uh, outfitted for the film IMAX, you know, regular IMAX film, as well as 70 millimeter. So it was 70 millimeter and it was IMAX. So I went to go see it there. And it was probably one of the most satisfying movie-going experiences I've had in a long time in terms of just aesthetically what happened in that theater and what I experienced. And, you know, Christopher Nolan is mostly lauded, but he does have his critics. And, uh, you know, I really think that he did create a masterpiece here. Um, There's some criticism of this movie that... It's a little, you know, it, it, it's it's a little kind of like slow and one note. It doesn't really, you know, g- you know, give you uh, anything other than a snapshot of what happened that day. The narrative is a little uh, disjointed. Uh, he does his famous Christopher Nolan thing where he does like a little time. He, he plays with timelines a little bit. Um, but all that being said, it is fantastic. I thought I, I disagree with most of that. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was it. it transported you to that moment i think the acting wasn't was really in service of the film itself and not vice versa so you know the the performances were just very all very real and understated and in in service of the film and i you know as as a piece of work I i thought it was amazing i don't know how this thing holds up on your small screen. This is definitely not the movie you're going to watch on your phone, on your iPad, or on your laptop. Like most millennials will probably consume it when it comes, um, when, it, when it gets out of the theater. But, man, if you have a chance to go see this in the theater, please see it. Uh, the ways you can check it out is you can check it out on the, I think there's a digital 70 millimeter. No, he hates digital. Never mind. Take that back. There's a 70 millimeter pl- uh, print. Uh, there is uh, a IMAX print. There's a 70 millimeter IMAX. So uh, any of those opportunities, I've checked them out. Especially, uh, I'm in Los Angeles, so we have the ArcLight Theater. So it's playing in 70 millimeter at the Dome. We also have the Chinese Theater. It's playing in IMAX 70 millimeter there. So I cannot speak enough about it. Um, I know Akili and I have been talking about 
Dunkirk, so I wanted to bring that up that I saw it. When him and I will probably discuss it a little bit next week because I know he's a huge technical film buff and we'll, we'll want to talk about that. The other movie I wanted to talk about, going a little bit off script here, is I saw Atomic Blonde. And so in our geek nerd genre uh, situation, Atomic Blonde was also an amazing, amazing film. I mean, I think that um, it was directed by my man, oh God, Le- Leech, Letikim, and I can't remember his name, but he directed this movie. He was one of the duo that brought us John Wick. Um, both have, both those guys have a stunt background. Um, the one guy went on to direct John Wick 2, and this person went on to direct Atomic Blonde. Uh, and I will tell you, a 40-year-old Charlize Theron was whooping some ass in this movie. Like, the, the, she was fantastic. Um, it, it, was, it was a great film. Uh, you know, a little more along the lines of the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy kind of like, you know, feeling of, of spycraft mixed with heavy ass-kicking and action. Not a lot of gunplay, whereas John Wick has a lot of gunplay, a lot of double taps to the forehead and chest. Uh, this one was just some ass whooping, you know, she, you know, um, which which I, which you which is always great. I will say, there's one sequence in this movie, uh, not to spoil it, but there's one sequence that a fight that play, takes place in a stairwell that is probably it's one of the t- it's it's this thing where I genuinely have no idea how they did this. I have no idea how they shot it. I have no idea, you know, where where they put the camera. It's done in one take. It is a seemingly real time fight sequence that, yeah, there it is. A seemingly a, a real time fight sequence that happens with no cuts. Uh, it is I, I I can't even explain what they did. And then they continue that scene and take it take it out into the street uh, and got into a car and did some other things. Now clearly when she gets in the car that turns into green screen, but like. Man, what a what a what a amazing thing! Just that 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 one fight sequence alone is is worth the price of admission, I would say. So uh, yeah, there's that. So uh, that's what I got. That's that's what I gotta say about Atomic Blonde. Uh, I want to see it. So both those movies. The only movie I haven't seen right now is War of the Planet of the Apes, which I'd heard is phenomenal. But those three movies are supposed to be reasons to get out and go to the movies and check things out. So. Just want to get that out of the way. Those are a little bit off script, but uh, before we talk about some of these, some of the tech news that's happened this week, uh, but I want to go into uh, my man Jeff Bezos. Uh, Jeff Bezos, CEO of Amazon. Uh, big news with him. He uh, for a brief time. I think it's, I think it's they're back and forth now, but he surpassed Bill Gates as the richest human being on the planet. Um, you know, it, it it makes news because this is a guy who, you know, Bill, Bill Gates started about 35 years ago um, and has built an amazing, you know, 35, 36 years ago and has built an incredible, you know, uh, iconic brand and, and, and game changing and world changing brand in, in Microsoft. Uh, but Jeff Bezos started only 20 years ago. And he started selling, these guys are both similar, but they both started out of their garage. But Bezos started selling books online out of his garage 20 years ago. And now, look at him. The Amazon is, can't fit those books in the garage anymore. Uh, they've got multiple gigantic warehouses. And he's now the richest man in the numbers, in case you're wondering. Bezos is worth $90 billion, uh, a little over $90 billion, uh, And Gates is... 
uh, you know, really slacking at $89.8 billion. So, you know, we're talking about $200 million difference who's, if, you, if you're counting. But it's a, lot, it's a lot of money now. These guys make $200 million in their sleep. So this is fluctuating. It's always back and forth. So I don't know if anyone's going to really stay on top. But it's just, it is newsworthy because Bezos is talked about as one of the smartest guys in business. Um, you know, we it's not so much about selling books, which he's done, which we know that he's the king at. Amazon is the king of sort of book selling. But it's really about another into content as well. And digital content, original content, uh, and not just selling books or selling products. They sell you everything from groceries to uh, to uh, you know goods, consumer goods, and to now digital content. But really, what Bezos is about, and really where that where the really the rubber meets the mo- rubber meets the road here is this is a guy who is the king of shipping. He's revolutionizing the way we. Shipping moves in in the country. He's revolutionizing the way we get things sent to our, you know, from his warehouse to our door. And why this is of a concern for some people is he's setting his sights on not only FedEx and UPS and all those guys, but there's been talk. I keep going back to this, but I love this story. Let's talk of him buying the post office. That's right. The United States Post Office is is run by the government. It's government funded. It is relatively antiquated, and in a world where you know some one one particular party thinks that everything should be run by private companies and not the government, um, and I mostly like ninety percent disagree with that. Uh, however, when it comes to the post office. That's interesting. If Bezos you know, buys the post office, that what that means is he has access to all of those shipping lanes and all those sh- distribution centers and all those things that make the post office the post office. And, you know, if he wasn't already dominating, that would really push him over the edge. And I wonder, I mean, I'm really interested to see what you guys think about the idea of him taking over the post office because – you know, um, you know, he says he doesn't want to do that anymore. He just wants to buy it. But this is a guy who's revolutionized newspapers when he bought the Washington Post. I mean, he's buying these these, these sort of antiquated things like the like like newspapers and and and, and things and revolutionizing them. I think that could be a great thing. But uh, he's he's doing it, man. He's 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 doing that, and he's he's continuing to grow. So I don't know if Bill Gates will. You know, being a guy who's largely in philanthropy now, if he'll be able to overtake him, but that's something that's happening. Okay, so moving over on to politics, slightly slightly politics, um, we're talking about Apple. Tim Cook isn't quite up there with Bill Gates and and, and Bezos yet, but he's not doing so bad himself. But Apple made made news when uh, President Trump announced that – Apple's going to roll out three big plants, big, beautiful plants in the United States. And Tim Cook was like, ugh, bro, like, I wasn't, we weren't ready to announce that yet. Like, the deal's not done. But, you know, Trump couldn't wait to get that news out there. The problem is, now there's some, there's a little bit of backlash in that, uh, you know, Foxconn, which is a huge sort of supplier, um, of stuff is not quite ready to move their their, their plants to the United States. Uh, these plants that are coming to like Wisconsin and the Heartland. They're supposed to you know lo- you know um, be located in places all over the country. 
um, aren't quite ready. So politically, this is something that really needs to happen. The idea of bringing jobs back to the heartland all makes sense, but it's not quite ready. So I would, you know, there probably won't be any pushback on those announcements being made, but it's just, uh, just something else. So, so just don't get quite ready for those plants to come here yet. Um, also, Apple is also discontinuing the iPod and the iPod, the iPod Nano and the iPod Shuffle. And if Achilles here, he would make the snore, snooze sound. I don't think anyone cares. I don't know that anyone's using those anymore, per se. But it makes you wonder about... I mean, Apple has so many options as to how they're able to... You can get music and receive music. And it seems that they're really... The notion of a music-only device, the device that exclusively lets you get music, it seems incredibly antiquated. Incredibly bad. So, um... So the yeah, so the iPod Nano and these others going the going the way of uh, of other things makes sense to us. So we'll see, we'll see about that. Um, I've gone from Bezos to uh, Bill Gates to Tim Cook, and now we go to Achilles' favorite guy, Elon Musk. Uh, so there's a story that's floating around that isn't is pretty much a non-story. I agree with Musk on this: is that people are they're making it. Pretty much making a lot about the fact that 60,000 people are canceling their Tesla Model 3 orders. And people are like, oh, you know, it's all bad. The stocks and Elon Musk is, you know, he's, he's messing up. 60,000 people have canceled their orders. And, and, and Elon's response is like, slow down. First of all, we're doing, I mean, look, we have, they have like 1,800 orders a day. Something ridiculous like that. So they're they're fine. Number one, number two, these are reservations and and they're they're overstocked. Like they cannot meet those demands. So um, he said, like he can easily you know inflate the numbers and accept more orders. But the truth of the matter is, he's like you know what he said specifically. He's like, first of all, those cancellations occurred occurred over the course of a year. Uh, I think the numbers are inconsequential. With a small amount of effort, we can easily drive the Model 3 reservation number into something much higher, but there's no point to doing that. It's like if you own a restaurant and you're serving hamburgers and it's like a – and it's like an hour and a half wait for hamburgers. Do you really want to encourage people to start ordering more hamburgers? I don't think you do. So, I mean, it's a little funny here, Elon Musk comparing Tesla 3s to hamburgers, but he kind of has a point. He has a way of, like, taking a micro look at a macro issue. He kind of has a point. And, you know, I think the thing that people, the real story with the Tesla 3s for me and for a lot of people are, it's being touted as the affordable Tesla. It's $35,000. It's a self-driving Tesla. It's going to change the game. It's $35,000. Well, if you read the fine print, the thing that makes this Model 3 so dope is the fact that it is a self-driving model. But on the $35,000 version, you don't even get that autopilot version. You got to pay an extra extra $4,000 extra $5, to get that. So really, at a bare minimum, you're talking about $40,000. That's right. And then if you want to get the, all the full self-driving capability, it's an extra $3,000. So what about the $43,000? Okay, that's not too bad. But then... If you want to get all the top of the range, like nice interior and all the things that make it kind of sweet, let's, let's call it extra 9000 So now I'm up to, what is that? I can't do the math. That's $52,000. Uh, and then there's an extra $1,500 cost to install the home charger, which doesn't come with it. So we're talking close to fifty-four, dollars $55,000 when it's all said and done. That's a lot, $20,000 more than the $35,000 cost that they're advertising. So 
That might be more of a problem for you, Elon Musk, if you ask me. But what do I know? Um, I want to move on to Snapchat. Uh, you know, people talked about the Snapchat guys when they wouldn't sell for a billion dollars, and they talked about them when they wouldn't sell for for three billion. And then I think Facebook tried to buy them for ten billion. They said no. Everybody's like, these kids are stupid. No one's going to care about Snapchat. Well, Google just made them an offer of, are you ready for this? Thirty bill. Google made Snapchat an offer for thirty bees. Um, and you know, listen. Evan Spiegel, notoriously independent. He, you know, he this is this is after, you know, the their they their IPO. They, they just it was just IPO went public in May. Um it the the, the market cap sort of high as thirty billion and you know, Google was Google was interested, but it doesn't look like that's gonna happen. Um Eric Schmidt uh, it feels like he really likes Evan Spiegel. He's, he thinks like Evan's kind of a young version of himself. Um, whether or not they can come up to some sort of a, you know, um, or agreement, we'll see. But I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see how this, how this works out. But what's happening now, Snapchat is getting into the camera business. And remember, Snapchat has their Snap Glasses, which, which they're really perfecting and trying to get a hold on. And if you remember... Eric Schmidt had a little something called Google Glass, which they still have all that technology and they still feel very, very good about. And because of the backlash of Google Glass and what they look like and how they feel and what 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 and what they meant, meant, they've kind of kept that in the shelf. Now that technology is still there; it's they've been improving on it. So the idea of taking the Google Glass technology and putting it into these cool little Snapchat goofy goggles, and uh, that makes sense. And if Google and Snapchat could get together, it could be something really great. I personally am on record saying, but I've, I don't know how Snapchat continues to grow and innovate at this pace. There's a lot. I mean, there's just a lot going on with Snapchat that um, a lot of things are overcome. I mean, we see how uh, Mark Zuckerberg feels about these sort of things. He either tries to acquire you or stomp you out. And when you didn't, when he tried to acquire Snapchat, it didn't work. So he launched Instagram Stories, and Instagram Stories is taking a huge bite, is a huge spot on Snapchat's corner right now. And so Snapchat needs to do some, some something innovating. I'm not sure to innovate. I'm not sure um, the hardware business Snap Glasses are the move, but we'll soon find out. They probably could use you know a little help from Eric Schmidt and those guys. But what do I know? I'm not worth thirty billion. Um, but I maybe I would be worth 30, 30 billion if I talked to our friends at Dice. Dice is the leading career tech, leading career and tech hub, and champion for technology for for professional and citizens of the tech community. Dice is a company that I really like and that we really like here at Geekner Tech because it helps people like you uh, not only find jobs but it does it in a very specific way in the tech in the tech industry. If you are looking for a job in tech or in otherwise and you have your specific set of skills, what Dice does, it looks at your resume and your CV and it looks in there and your skills and takes your skills and matches them to jobs that you would have probably not have otherwise chosen for yourself. Because sometimes you say, I am this, but you have no idea if what your skill set as a you know, user experience, you know, user experience director or user experience provider, if those 
line up with something else. Well, DICE does. Um, DICE has over 70,000 tech jobs ranging from software development to user experience to project management. Um, they have tons of insight about the job markets all around the world, all around. Uh, they know which ones are hot, which ones are cooling off. They have salary reports and tools to fully understand how you stack up, which is really great. Um, DICE is advocating... So DICE is the advocate for your career, whether that means finding your next job, getting your next pay raise, or informing your next career move. DICE is your thing. So here's what you need to do. Learn more at DICE.com. That's DICE.com. And you can backslash, or sorry, DICE.com slash can you hack it, all one word. DICE.com slash can you hack it. And that means hack it as in hacking your career. So you can hack your career with DICE. That's DICE.com. Can you hack it? And that's that. All right. Um, the other story that's, that, that's kind of floating around that's, that's nuts right now is Netflix owes over $20 billion. The growth of Netflix, Netflix is blowing up with they owe $20 billion. So people are like, I thought Netflix was flush. I thought Netflix paid all this money. Netflix was where to go. They owe $20 billion. Well, again, slow down. This is also a non-story because most companies are in debt. It's the kind of debt that they're carrying is a debt of is more operational. For instance, Apple has a hundred is a hundred billion dollars in debt. That's Apple, hundred billion. So I feel like you know we should all calm down with that in the story. It's it's, it's very much a non-story. I'm gonna move on. We get out of here. Uh, also. Maybe not so much a non-story, but Twitter lost 2 million users last quarter. 2 million users in the U.S. Now, Twitter is, has experienced a lot of growth in our, you know, in our, in our lexicon because of our president who sort of governs and, and announces things by Twitter. Twitter is trying to innovate by having some shows and some different things that they're doing to, to get content to people. But Twitter as a medium is struggling for relevance, and there are a lot of people that are really, a lot of smart people who have a lot of smart ways to make Twitter survive. But this has always been the question. Will we be talking about Twitter in five years from now? Um, Two million users in a quarter. I mean, given the grand scheme of things, not the end of the world. And there is a lot of growth in a lot of the areas. But, you know, maybe there's some clause for a lot in there. Maybe not. Uh, Bitcoin. We talk about Bitcoin all the time in the show. There was a there's a thing that happened where the Feds took down one of Bitcoin's largest ex- exchanges, uh, mainly because there's all kinds of money laundering and things going on. Now people might say, "Duh, Bitcoin. What else do you think happens?" That's the whole reason Bitcoin exists to have non-traceable funds. Um, but uh, you know, the the technology curve has always, always, always been ahead of the uh, legal curve, and forever and it probably still will be forever the technology curves always have the legal curve well this is an effort for the feds to sort of catch up i think that this is also more of a pr thing i mean the department of justice is really not going to shut down bitcoin or like crack down but if they can really get people like in a show of force showing like hey man uh you know i I, we we can get in here um that that helps there's a the guy who they got was kind of Alexander Vinnick, who's a who who's a uh, he owns this Bitcoin exchange. He man, he's laundering uh, ransomware payouts and all kinds of different things. He's he's in in charge of that he's been doing for a while now. Um, they got him for what four hundred million, so that's a lot eight hundred eight hundred thousand Bitcoin. So uh, maybe the feds will make some headway there, but we'll see. And last but not least, uh, I, I just want to talk really briefly. Game of Thrones going strong, largest premiere ever, biggest biggest premiere uh, in in HBO in 
history, 26 million people saw it. Uh, it's still great. It's still wonderful. And uh, it's Game of Thrones. And last but not least, for I get out, I'm already over time. Nas has a new anime-inspired thing called Tele- Tele- Telephone Funk. It's uh, sort of based in, Cre- in Queensbridge. Um, it's not about Nas. It's I mean, it's not by Nas. It's Nas-inspired. Looks like uh, you know Willow Smith and maybe Nas are like checking it, checking it out. So uh, you guys should check it out too if you, if you find it. Tell, it's called uh, Telephone Funk. I think that's right. Teflon Funk. I'm terrible. <laughs> Teflon Funk. Uh, check it out. Anime. That's all I got. Uh, that's it, man. I held it down. I can't. I did for a solid hour of talking on my own. Uh, if any of you guys are listening and, and, and writing down anything or checking anything out um, or have any questions about anything that we talked about, that I talked about today, please put it in the comments or let me know. Um, and, and don't worry, Keely will be back next week. Uh, to be able to talk to me and you together. Um, so, yeah, let's go. Um, that's all I got. If you want to find me, uh, I am, where am I? I am uh, at Joe K. Braswell um, on Instagram and Twitter. And Achilles at Achilles Sean on Instagram and Twitter. Um, that's all I got. So we'll hopefully see you guys next week. All right. Bye-bye. executives kevin undergaro dario Kristen, tiana hobson and the entire bhl staff we would like to thank you for supporting black hollywood live the first online broadcast network dedicated to african-american entertainment for questions and comments contact us info at blackhollywoodlive.com like us on facebook tweet us or instagram us at bhl online and i am the official voice of black hollywood live scipio instagram at king thanks for tuning in The views expressed here are those of the host owner and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.